I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. I'm April, VP of the cutting-edge sex toy company Hot Octopus, and I dedicate my life to the business of sex. We are on a mission to teach you how to have hot sex, deep intimacy, and how to make your own rules for who you are as a sexual being. Welcome Welcome to to the Shameless Sex Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 50% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use code SHAMELESSSEX at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast and our very long day. I know, this is, we are on a marathon. (laughs) Woo! Yeah, yeah, We recorded two podcasts today. We've done, we did an intro, we released an episode, we're we're doing all kinds of things. I did some jumping jacks, back handsprings, and somersaults while Amy was in the bathroom. What? I didn't even see see it. She didn't see me. See, that's why we're so amazing. Oh, that's you actually. How can I take credit for that? Hmm. Well, you had probably a nice uh, bathroom session. I did. (laughs) I weigh number two. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lie, everyone. I was going to say nice BM. Okay, <laughs> nice BM. Um, all right, so some people already tuned out. Stay with us, everyone, because we are here to talk about 10 stripper tips to get your sexy on plus sex worker 101. So I originally recorded this podcast without April. It was going to be a bonus episode in April. It was slammed while well, we were slammed today, but what's new? Um, <laughs> so I recorded that, and we decided that it was such a good episode that we must release it now. We must release it. You must have it well, now. Well, I'm actually trusting Amy's word and I believe her because I haven't heard the episode because it isn't on the air yet and you, Amy you know is, you should have been on it because you you love strippers and and not that I don't love strippers but you really engage with them and I you're do. like what do your partner say you'd say like stop trying to connect with the strippers <laughs> well yeah well every time I've been to a strip club yeah. in years past because I am a, a huge fan of going to strip clubs at all hours of every day in whatever city because I I love it. It's beautiful entertainment. Uh, I always have this uh, innate ability to connect with the strippers. And I'm like, you're beautiful. Oh, my God. What you're doing is amazing. And I get asked regularly, have you danced before? Are you a dancer? And I'm like, no, I'm an advocate for all of the dancers because what you're doing is incredible. And my partner slash friend slash all the things (laughs) is always like, hey, why are you trying to, what, what, what are you doing? Are you trying to save the strippers right now? Because I'm like, so what's your life goal? What do you want to do? And that's what it came to. And sometimes it goes well and sometimes not so much. Mm-hmm. Well, um, in this podcast, Danica shares a lot about herself and she, uh, I think, does a really great job moving through the taboos that people have or the judgments about strippers. Or not, let's get away from strippers, sex workers, because there's a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so escorts, exotic dancers. Well, that's dancers. when we were in Amsterdam. That was also... Um, where it was obviously red light district. We were together. Yeah. Uh, and there were, it was interesting, the dynamics between folks in certain clubs that we were at with the, the, uh, the sex workers and the, also the, the dancers. Yeah. And it is different when I've been to different countries, it's always different in the U S there. There's a lot of times where, it, uh, dancers are, I don't know, they're, they're appreciated and or objectified. Yeah. And I try to, I'm like, Hello, these folks that are working are people. They're humans. Yeah. Talk to them. This is not, uh, they're not robots. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and even though it is a sexualized uh, environment, you're still talking to and giving money to and paying for the services of people and, and often really wonderful people, which Danica and Riley too, then they're hilarious too. They have some really great things. So there'll be some applicable tips for your life. Uh, if you want to get sexy, you want to get more seductive perhaps, how to bring this into the bedroom. And also you'll learn more about being a sex worker what that's like what's the day in the life what are the stigmas what's the the myths that we keep hearing and that people buy into and what's the reality um and there's a really beautiful reality because a lot of the folks are really empowered they love it so there's a lot that they share before we dive in we have a sex question and we will read the bio but first i would like to talk about me 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 omg yes or actually go or oh oh i like that one yeah you like that one yeah i like amy's sexy voice when you go into your Hi. You go. You do the Amy like playful ah, ah. and then you do the ah. 
Hi, I'm Amy. So OMGS, OMGS.com, we talk about this all the time. Why do we love it? Because we love sex ed. We love learning about sex ed from visual stimuli as well as reading things and practicing things. Reading a book, watching a DVD, kind of tricky because there isn't a lot of actual modules to practice on. So OMGS is a wonderful research-based program. It's all online. Season one is all about external vulva pleasure. So right now it's just for vulva owners, although their admirers could learn a thing or two. Season two is all about internal vulva pleasure. And they studied what, as you said, 20,000 women ages mm-hmm. 18 to 95. That's so a lot vulva of vulva owners. owners. That's yes, a lot is. of vulva owners. And so they actually asked them, how do you have your orgasms? How do you pleasure yourself? And then they turned it into these um, very dynamic categories. And there's actual videos there. It's not highly pornographic, but it, you can actually see the techniques that they're talking about. And then you can go and practice on your own. And I have clients, we have listeners that this has changed their lives. I know it's changed my life. You have to check it out. And is game changer. One time payment, y'all. There's no subscriptions. There's no rebilling. One time. You can buy season one or you can buy season one and two and you can save 10% off when you go to omgs.com slash shameless. It's just affordable AF as I like to say. Are you dropping the AF now? I sometimes dropping do. dropping AF. I love OMGS though yeah. and we recommend it all it's, the time. Uh, it's OMGS AF. AF. I don't know. I'm trying to be cool but I'm not. <laughs> She's cool. Everyone. I'm 36 She's cool. everyone. She's so cool. <laughs> so go check it out and are you ready for a sex question? Please. I am interested in tips for keeping sensual areas of the home. This is a great question for you by the way Chip. Oh. <laughs> Just <laughs> tapping the, into my feng shui. You're going to love. No it's not the feng shui. Oh. It's your cleanliness. Oh. Of the home or room clean during sexy time and dealing with the inevitable cleanup without a clinical mood being set. What are the best toy cleaners? How to avoid massage oil from getting everywhere? And after the grand finale, what are the best practices to clean up? How do I keep the mood and connection going while still being clean and hygienic? Oh my God, can I just say how much I love I know. this <laughs> sex question right now? Because I have a... a I have an ability to be a very clean human. I do not have a lot of clutter in my life. She's a germaphobe. And I am a bit of a germaphobe. I do probably vacuum three times a day. <laughs> I just want a very lightweight vacuum on Amazon. I'm very happy with this cordless. And I'm like, yes, this thing's awesome. <laughs> uh, so uh, that is not what the answer to the question is. But I just want to give props to this person for wanting, because sex toys, sex, lube, cleaners, all of the things, sex can get messy and there's fluids and there's staining the sheets, staining the couch. Sometimes you don't want to just have to go to the bedroom. And this is a thing that I, sometimes I'll be in the midst of just feeling my deep, rumbly, passionate, all my chi coming out, maybe some fluids coming out at the same time. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm on my couch. I don't want to clean this up later. <laughs> and I'm like, um, do you mind if we go get something? And I have a blanket, the fascinator blanket mm. that I can throw in. Uh, sometimes I don't have time to go get that because it's already dirty. So I go get a towel. And that's the stuff that r- actually ruins sometimes my my mo- my mode of like this. So it's good to have preparatory devices slash uh, uh, tools to help you. So you can be in the mood. Yeah. yeah or like be present. You can be present. And I think that if you are a clean person or maybe you don't care as much about being clean, but you don't want to do laundry all the time, having different things to help clean up the the wipes that are really nice, cleaning up just that are softer on the genitals too. You know, if you've ever used a scratchy towel to oh, clean up yeah, that's not fun. your bits and cum or ejaculate when it's on your body, it's like, you're scraping it. Some wipes are nice. And if you don't want to go hose yourself off in a shower every time you have ejaculate on you or you ejaculate, it's nice to just have the, the wipes. And then toy cleaners, I don't really use them. I use... Mostly, it's like soap and water. Soap and water, yeah. or I use uh, just, uh, just uh, honestly, I take them in the shower with me and do uh, a whole shower. Unless they're like not waterproof right. at all. Most, Most toys these days are yeah. at least water resistant. My, all of mine are. I don't know if I, uh, if I actually own any products that aren't. But if 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 you know your toy is able to be submerged or just water uh, resistant, as Amy mentioned, then do a shower with your products and just clean them off. But if yeah. you are l- using lube, especially if you're using um, silicone lube with toys, uh, even if they're not silicone or silicone, it's good to wash them every time, every run. Well, I think one key thing you're saying is set the mood and the, do the planning before. And then when you dive in, you're like, oh no, you're in your head. Like, what if I square it all over the place? Or what if I get the oil everywhere? Yeah. And if you lay down things like dark tiles or like a fascinator throw, you can get it in a black material. And it's okay if it gets stained with the oil because that's what it's designed for. That, well, also, you can keep, if you are able to keep 
the, the blankets like the fastener they're not it's not like a big tarp or something yeah. it's it like doesn't the size make noise. of a twin yeah a little and there's other wider ones than that, we, we, that we've had that uh th- you can keep them at different areas and you could get a few of them but they're really easy and a lot of times you can even let them dry and wash them later and just have some fluids on them but yeah. they do save your, I'm your pretty sure you furniture and your like a whole so i'm pretty sure you can actually pour a whole glass of water on the fascinator throw and it doesn't leak through um so moral of the story is plan ahead of time so you're not in your head we talk about this all the time on shameless sex like what can you do to be out of your head and that makes everything more enjoyable and so i just think some planning and setting the mood like april said you're a resident germaphobe over here um, and also there's not all wipes are created equal. Like she said, if you go to purepleasureshop.com, you can use coupon code shameless sex. You get 15% off. We have fascinator throws there. Um, there's different kinds of wipes and things. If you go to the toy cleaner section that are designed for your genitals and for your toys. I need another um, one fascinator. Oh wipe. really? Yeah, I do. I almost uh, said fascinator wipe, but I need, I need another fascinator. Jay from liberator. Colin Jay from yeah, liberator. Jay. Hook us up. <laughs> Oh, well, I'll just go to Pure Pleasure and buy one. That's true. Or we can ask my mom for hey, a Christmas mom. present. We need an early Hanukkah present for Chip over here. Uh, yeah, okay. Anyways, I hope you answered your question. Prepare ahead of time. April loves you because she loves her fellow hygienic folks. Are you ready for a bio? Yeah. All right. So Danica has a BA in psychology, is a public speaker and university guest lecturer, host of her own sex work and sexuality podcast, is devoted sex workers advocate, and has a successful career as an exotic dancer. She knows some stuff. To learn more, visit 50 plus a tip, that's 50 plus a tip.com, or listen to 50 plus a tip podcast on your favorite podcast app. But first, you know Amy and I are shameless when it comes to drinking wine, but summertime can be hard for us wine drinkers. Think about it. Red wine isn't that refreshing. Summer barbecues can leave you on a hunt for a corkscrew, and most pool parties frown against glass. So what is a wine lover to do? Well, we're here to solve your summer wine woes, y'all, with Bev. Bev is a female-first canned wine brand that has five varietals, rosé, Sauve Blanc, Pinot Gris, Pinot Noir, and a sparkling white wine to quench any wine lover's palate. And all their wines are zero sugar and only 100 calories per serving. Plus, each can is crisp, dry, and has a little fizz to make your experience super refreshing. And Shameless Sex listeners receive 20% off your first purchase plus free shipping on all orders. I highly recommend their newest sparkling rosé, Bev Glam, or try their best-selling Ladies' Night variety pack for all of their refreshing varietals. Go to drinkbev.com shameless or use code shameless at checkout to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-B-E-V dot com slash shameless. And now it's interview time. But let's just dive on in. We always start with the same question for all of our guests, Danica and Riley. And it's, if you can tell us about yourself and how you got to where you are today in the field of sexuality. Okay, so I'm Danica and I'm the one without the cute accent, just the (laughs) Canadian accent over here. I am a sex worker and I'm predominantly a stripper, um, exotic dancer, and dom and escort. And I've been doing that for seven years. I graduated with distinction um, with a psychology degree and paralegal. Um, I guest lecture at local universities on sex work and sex work legality in Canada. I host a sex worker book club and I host lap dance workshops. So pretty much my entire life is about sex and sexuality. And then I also, as you mentioned, host a sexuality and sex work podcast, 50 plus a tip. Um, so that kind of all brought me to where I am sexually. <laughs> I, I clearly can't escape, escape it. <laughs> I always feel like I need to go first. For yeah, this, I'm, a, I'm a lot less impressive than Danica is. No. Um, Look at your accent. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my name's Riley. I'm originally from New Zealand. Um, I am also a sex worker predominantly. I, I'm a stripper. Uh, I work Uh, as a topless poker dealer and I dabble in fetish work. Uh, I'm also in university studying uh, statistics and uh, kind of got into the sex industry um, by accident, just through friends uh, encouraging me to do it um, because I'm a lively personality (laughs) and my great tits. (laughs) (laughs) 
those are good reasons to get into sex work or just actually any career that um, that supports that great tits and a, and a wild personality there. Um, so let's talk about what sex work is um, because a lot of our listeners might be unfamiliar with it. I know we've done a number of episodes with folks who uh, identify as escorts or pro-doms um, and we have done some education on sex work. Um, but can you so define what sex work is plus maybe the correct terminology because a lot of people know of prostitution, escorting. So what is the umbrella term of, of sex work? What, is it, what does it include? Yeah, so exactly. Uh, you hit it on the head there. Sex work is an umbrella term for everything that falls within the sex industry. And that's cam girls, cam performers, um, prostitutes, escorts, um, sugar babies, um, fetish, fetish workers. Uh, some people argue that sex work also involves the people, the um, kind of third parties in those situations. So your bouncers, your um, owners of strip clubs, et cetera. Um, but yeah, that can be, there's arguments for inclusion and exclusion for that. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm adamant about the term sex work and using it is because it's kind of a, uh, like an umbrella term where it unifies everyone in the sex industry, because there is a very real thing, both internally and externally out of the community, um, which we call the hierarchy. So um, the horror hierarchy, it's a play on those words where you'll get um, people in the industry, particularly or outside, well, they'll say, you know, I'm a stripper. Oh my God, but I'm not a prostitute or I'm an escort, but I would never be a prostitute where we're constantly battling each other as if one's worse than the other. One deserves more respect. So unifying as a community um, saying, you know, we're all sex workers. And then you can go about uh, above and beyond like we both did and said, I'm a sex worker. I am predominantly blah, 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 or I'm mostly blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, it also, the reason I like the term is because it includes that work aspect, which you'll hear a lot of our community saying, you know, sex work is work and saying sex worker makes it a point to say we are workers, you know, we're in a labor position. We should have labor rights, um, and we should have the respect as a laborer. Um, that's personally why I'm so adamant that the sex work term is used. Um, but I've, I've heard arguments for people not wanting to use it or wanting to move away from that term. Um, but I think it's more so a lack of understanding or a desire to not be stigmatized. And it's really um, that hierarchy coming back in, you'll see quite often. I like that term, hierarchy. Did you make that up or was that already a thing that people were widely using? I cannot steal that. Okay. I have heard throughout, throughout the industry, it's quite a common term. Um, and then you also mentioned um, prostitution. So another thing I'm adamant that people understand is that prostitution and escorting are vastly different. Um, that's why, you know, I say I'm an escort, escorting someone who's paid for their time and companionship. Uh, prostitution is someone who's paid for the actual sexual act. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, there can be crossover. Someone can be an escort and a prostitute or vice versa, or there can be completely separate jobs. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it's completely separate. I'm paid for lunches, dinners, being a date to someone without the sexual act. Hmm. Yeah. And I think also in the form, the field of sex work, or we can also talk about in, in, in prostitution of people who are getting paid for the sexual act that they're providing that in itself is very broad because I know people who are sex workers who just use their hands. You know, they don't, mm-hmm. they're not using their pussies or their cocks or their mouths. And there's, and, and if they are, there's nothing wrong with that either, but they're, but just for people, when you think of people of sex work, they automatically go to penetration, people paying for penetration. Um, and again, nothing wrong with that because here's the other thing that I find really, really viable. Number one, we're in the time of COVID when we're recording this as an evergreen product, but a lot of people stopped having access to, to sex or to connection. Even you're talking about escorting, that's connection. You know, that's quality time, connection, feeling wanted, desired, even if sex isn't a part of that, but there's an energy behind it too that could, can be sexual. Um, so, you know, and regardless of COVID, a lot of folks just for one reason or another might not have access or maybe they have a disability too. This is why there's like surrogate work. And also I have people who don't do surrogate work and they're sex workers who do work with folks with disabilities who just, who still want to be sexual and people decide you must not be sexual because you have a disability. Um, And then also I'm assumed, and I guess this was another, I guess maybe I'll make this a question for you. Some of the reasons why people seek out sex work, uh, including um, escorting uh, I, I think a lot of it also is like it, there's not a lot of strings attached. There isn't this added pressure of building a relationship of if you're the receiver of sex work. And I have received various forms of sex work. I'm, I can talk a little bit about what that is um, and also probably 
worked in sex work as well. And I think about it as a broad term, um, but there was, was no, like as the receiver, you don't have to give, you know, all that you just get to show up and receive, and it can be all about you. So I guess if you have any other reasons why folks seek out sex work and escorting. I think, that, well, you've mentioned a lot of them. Um, there are laws in certain areas where people are allotted a certain amount of government government funding for mm -hmm. um, sex acts and, and sex workers, which I think is great because I think we all need to feel intimacy, whether whether that is a physical form of intimacy or emotional, mental form of intimacy. Um, that's a very human need for everyone. So I think it's amazing that certain places in the world have acknowledged that and and believe it to be a right. Um, so that's important. Uh, yes. Um, people with different disabilities are, that's a huge thing, um, to, to provide for them. A lot, a lot of women and men, um, do that in their, in their services as well. And another thing I know people always say, oh, clients must be like these gross old men who are lonely or their wives don't do it for them. And in my experience and my girlfriends who actually are, uh, full service prostitutes, um, that yes, of course, that is an aspect of their clientele, but it's a smaller aspect than most would think. And I think a large reason of that is our society really romanticizes the idea of never having free time and always being busy and um, and hookup culture and all this, right? And I, I think that's why hookup culture has become so popular and Tinder dates and all that, because no one has the time to actually get to know someone and I think that's a large reason why people seek sex workers. Like you said, it's no strings attached. I don't have to take you for dinner and hope I do say all the right things to get laid at the end of it. Um, you know, we have an agreement of, you know, there is going to be this thing that's going to happen and you're going to this amount for it. And then we're going to go our separate ways. Um, and you're not gonna be upset. That I don't call you the next day. Um, and I think that's very alluring for a lot of people. And I think for the provider side, it's nice to know that like you're, like, let's be honest, straight men typically aren't great in bed. <laughs> and a lot of women aren't getting orgasms from their partners. So if I'm like, if I'm a prostitute and I'm going to go in and have sex with people and not get orgasms, at least you're getting paid for it. You know, yeah. <laughs> at least you're walking away with something. Yeah. Yeah. I would just like to add on. And this isn't to say that like every customer has this profound reason for seeking out like sex work. I, I worked at a club when they were open pre-COVID and yeah, a lot of the time guys are just there to have fun, to see some titties, like to watch a show. Um, but I, I have gotten a few customers who either um, their, you know, their wife never dresses up in anything sexy anymore, but he still really loves her or, um, you know, his wife is sick and he can't get like sexual pleasure really from anyone else. And he doesn't want to cheat. So he's trying to like curve, I guess that appetite through um, going to a club or, or hiring an escort or something. So, yeah, I mean, definitely not every John is, uh, have, has this like deeper meaning to finding con connection or sex work, but it's definitely out there and it's definitely a needed, um, revenue. And I think to especially add to that with fetish work, especially um, people, as much as we think we are progressive sexually, um, we're very strict with, with it, within what uh, barriers we're progressive sexually, you know, like mm -hmm. if you like to get pissed on, you know, we're not there yet as a society, apparently, you know, I had a client this past weekend who uh, drank my pee and <laughs> that to a lot of people is like disgusting and gross, but it's people have if to me there's I have a saying where it's like you don't yuck someone's yum mm -hmm. so my rule is as long as it between it's between consenting adults I don't care how many people are involved I don't care how many holes you're using mm -hmm. um as long as it's consenting and adults so um I think a lot of people seek out that sort of sex work because they have mm -hmm. these desires that are are fully okay again consenting adults um and they have nowhere they feel that the safe space to express that and I think sex work really provide safe spaces for a lot of people to explore their sexuality. Yeah. And that, that's, that is another need, right? Because we're all, all very diverse in our sexuality and in the fetish world, you know, especially if, like you're saying, if you have a fetish that is kind of outside the, the standard of what society usually is okay with, or deems as I'm doing air quotes, normal, because I don't think there is a normal, um, and you, you, or you find it hard. And I know in the fetish world too, there's like mild fetishes where you can still get aroused without these, these things. And then there's more, um, stronger fetishes where you, these, you, these are things that are a big part of your life and your arousal. And if it's hard to find access to be able to express that or share that a big part of you is kind of dead inside, you know, you're, you're, you're leaving on the back burner and or society is making you do that. So there's, no, there's so many valuable reasons for, um, 
for, for, I, I praise sex work and I, I think that it is a really important profession. Um, I would like to ask a question though, cause I know that there's incorrect and really harmful stigmas about sex work. A lot of people have these stories of like all sex workers have sexual trauma. They're all, you know, they must be doing it because something's wrong. And, you know, so if you can share a little bit about your, your insights about what are the stigmas that are quite inaccurate. Well, we've I've been seven yeah, <laughs> years, so I've quite quite the laundry list. Um, most common, like you said, um, their trauma, they come from a broken home. Um, they have kind of some some kind of drug or alcohol dependency or abuse in their past or present. Um, a big thing is that sex work is a last resort or it's a metric for failure in our society. So, you know, if I, if I lose this job, I'm going to be a fucking prostitute. Or if I quit this, if I don't make it through school, I'm going to be a hooker. Um, like as if it's, just the last thing you would ever possibly do, um, that no one would love us, um, that we wouldn't be able to have a real relationship with a partner, um, that you can't be a sex worker and a feminist. That's a big one too. There's a lot of swerfs. So sex worker, exclusionary, radical feminists are Mm -hmm. a big, uh, a big thing out there. Um, but to me, like I can't fathom how that's not feminism doing exactly what you want, regardless of what the patriarchy tells you about it. Um, tells us that we can't profit off our body, that it, it needs to be freely accessible to men. Um, I can't think of anything more feminist than being like, nope, this is my body. Anything you want out of me, you're going to pay for. I'm going to get reimbursed for whatever energy, mental, physical I'm putting into typically men um, and profiting off the male gaze. Um, it's pretty fucking badass feminism to me. That's how I view it. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the biggest one too is that sex work is inherently dangerous, um, which it's to me, it's so blatantly obvious, not the case, um, that the only reason it's dangerous is one, because of the laws we have, um, that really prohibit people in the industry from properly, um, working in safe conditions and properly vetting clients. And also the stigmas and the way we look at sex workers, a lot of the stigmas I listed there, um, it helps society look at sex workers as less than, and once we paint people in society as less than, um, society as a whole is much more likely to treat them like shit and abuse them and shit on them and not help them when help's needed. And um, so once that kind of combination of we've made laws to make their life harder and we've told society they're less than, of course, those people are going to have more dangerous encounters because we've made sure that that's the case. Mm. Um, so the actual act of having sex with people isn't dangerous. We would not, not more dangerous than anything else. If that were the case, we would prohibit things like Tinder, Bumble, hookup sites like Grindr, yeah. um, if that yeah. were really the case. And also, if it's so dangerous, why then do we allow a multi-billion dollar corporation like porn to exist? Mm-hmm. Um, the only difference, you know, is that the government benefits billions of dollars yeah. off the porn industry and they can't do it off, you know, independent contractors of prostitutes. But that's my rant. <laughs> yeah. uh, I would just like to add one pretty important stigma is that all sex workers are dirty and diseased. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, it's such a harmful uh, stigma to be attached to the community because I mean, and this isn't to go um, for everyone. And I have to say like the, the girls that I know in the industry and that Danica knows in the industry, we both work from a place of privilege. We're Mm -hmm. both off street sex workers. Um, You know, we say how, when, who, where, and why. Um, And it's definitely, we do not face the same um, issues as uh, people working for survival sex work. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, those in a privileged space, like most of the girls that I know that engage in some sort of um, prostitution or giving and getting sexual acts um, are getting regularly tested. They have a standing order like every couple of weeks because it is your job to be healthy and safe. Mm-hmm. And no woman wants to risk that. And, you know, also, you know, we joke that every time you go to a doctor's office and you ask for like a sex worker, ask for a throat swab, they automatically know that that person's a sex worker because a lot of vanilla people aren't thinking about STIs in their throats and they're sure as hell not using uh, condoms for blowjobs. Yeah. Your doctors are outing all you squares there. You're outed. Um, hundred percent, like exactly what Riley said. It's a huge one. Um, as a non- prostitute sex worker, I still have a standing order, regardless if I've had um, new partners or not. And I get tested religiously every three to four weeks. Um, and I do a full blood work, throat swab, everything. Luckily in Canada here, it's free. So we have, we have that ability. And that's again, another part of our privilege that we have here. Um, 
but yeah, it's crazy when I talk to my girlfriends who are squares and I'm like, and they talk about giving, you know, Brad from the bar a blow job. And I'm like, did you use a condom? And they're like, no, what? People use condoms for head. And I'm like, no, <laughs> oh, your fourth row, get tested. Brad definitely had something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just on top of that, I think, you know, typically that type of um, stigma is not just attached to prostitution. And we've really seen that through uh, COVID and the COVID outbreak everyone was pretty um, quiet about what industries were getting or what uh, workplaces were getting COVID at the beginning of the pandemic because there was a lot of stigma attached to COVID as this new disease. And then, of course, the first um, news-breaking place was that someone had gone into the strip club with COVID. And the comment section um, underneath it was like, well, COVID's the least uh, gross thing that you're going to be able to get from these people. Like, it was just... Of course. And yeah. then it goes into another stigma that comment section continued on to being like, well, all these should close down the strip clubs. All the women are trafficked anyways, um, which is another stigma that, you know, that we don't do this by choice. Again, last resort metric for failure. Um, again, an important point that Riley pointed out was that, you know, we are privileged sex workers. Um, so yes, survival sex work does exist. Um, yes, there is sex trafficking, um, but it is important to differentiate that from sex workers who are voluntarily choosing the industry. Yeah. Instead of putting everyone in under the same category, well, there's some parts that maybe aren't ethical. So let's get rid of the whole thing and take away the rights for folks to choose a profession out of a privileged or empowered place. Uh, and you know, the, I believe was it just, is it just Manhattan? I think they just legalized sex work there, or maybe they decriminalized it. Uh, um, and which makes it so that if you need help in your profession, you can call for help. You're not worried that you're going to go to jail or you're not going to be protect, protected. Um, and I think that that is just, I mean, and let's also talk about how old sex work is too. I mean, sex work has the been around profession. yeah, forever. Well, there had to be a profession before sex work to pay for sex workers. So there's that. But it's one of the old like it's been around since what the probably the dawn of, you know, at least the time of um, and I'm, I don't want to even say civilized, but at least like pre agricultural movement. I'm like, I'm pretty sure when Jesus was around, sex work was happening. OK, everyone. So um, and yet we're like, oh, no, but it's been around that long, but it has to be bad. So I just I don't think a profession that w that uh, has been around so successfully successfully for so long. Uh, it's so interesting that we would look at it as something that should not exist. So um, one other question I have about the stigmas that I've heard from folks is that um, there's a lot of judgment about dating a sex worker or, or maybe not even them dating a sex worker, but it, that it must be hard to date a sex worker or a sex workers probably have a hard time being in relationships or that their work interferes with their um, ability to connect with partners. Do you have anything to say about that when folks make those comments? Yeah, I think there, at least speaking from my experience, there is truth to that in the sense that it it can be hard dating as a sex worker. And it's not because, um, you know, we're hard to date as individuals. Um, I think it's very hard to explain to someone who's not in the industry how we can disassociate or how we can compartmentalize things like that. So if you're with a partner and you're an escort and I'm going for a lunch date, to my partner in his mind, I'm going on dates with men. I mean, it's not that I'm seeing a client for a quick business meal that I'm getting paid to enjoy. And then I come home to you who I actually love. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a really hard thing for a lot of people not in the industry to wrap their head around how we can see our clients as clients, not as potential love interests, um, and that they're not a threat to our relationship, to which I try to explain to them, you know, when I'm at work, I'm Danica. And when I come home, like I'm my real self mm -hmm. and you get me, you know, warts and all, <laughs> I shouldn't say that, I guess, with the stigma, yeah. <laughs> you know, I can, uh, <laughs> I can, sexy, <laughs> genital warts, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding, I'm very, for lack of a better term, clean, okay, yeah. um, but I, you know, I have Coke bottle glasses and I, you know, I put my glasses on and I'm really selling myself right now, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> And like, you know, you get the real me. And that's kind of one way I've tried to like help them understand that it's kind of just like an actress, like you go to work and you're an actor and you're a performer and you're, you know, you have clientele and then you come home and, and it's the real you. Um, it's still hard. Everyone's human. People get jealous. Um, you know, they can't, you can never fully understand something unless you're in it. And the sex industry is one of those things. Um, 
but yeah. And then I also find too, when you do get in a fight with a partner and I know Riley's looking at me, she's thinking the same Mm. thing. When you do get in a fight with a partner, no matter how cool they are with your job, somehow the first thing that comes up is, well, you're a fucking, you're a fucking escort. You're a fucking sex worker. Um, which kind of tells you really their true thoughts on the matter. So that's the first thing they throw at you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, so it is hard in that sense. And also like, even if you're not a prostitute, our industry is the sex industry. There's a lot of sexual energy to give, whether it is just going for a lunch, you know, you're not sitting there, you know, just dressed like a bum, like, you know, swearing every second word being like, whatever, um, like you're with your bros, like you are giving sexual energy. Um, so some days when you've had a long day, like you are sexually depleted or mentally depleted, just like any job, right? Like you only have so much of you to give, um, that you need a partner who understands that some days you don't want to come back home and backflip on a dick. Like you just, want to, <laughs> yeah. you know, you want to put your glasses on and you're, you know, yeah, just chill. We always say everyone wants to fuck a stripper. No one wants to date a stripper mm-hmm. or a sex worker. So it's like very fun and you can bring novel to like yeah. tell your buddies that you are seeing a stripper until, it, until the jealousy starts. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that stems from at least the, the monogamous society is that your sex sexuality is is very much reserved and owned. almost yeah owned by your partner and so when you start using that to benefit yourself or using that on other people it can kind of unfairly feel like an attack or like like something has been stolen from your partner which obviously it, it's not like if if I can use my brain and my wit and my humor to get further in life why can't I use my sexuality mm-hmm. um, but also just to circle back to something that you said and I know you didn't mean it this way but we've had this conversation is that there is nothing dirty about having STIs or STDs so you shouldn't <laughs> be using the word clean or dirty <laughs> I like that correction yeah because that's what I mean that's a big stigma for people and and again let's talk about something that's really common is having STIs STDs are having them at some point in your life too. Um, yeah, like anyway, from the, the clean and dirty aspect of it and it, just normalizing that, you know, as um, April and I, as sex podcasters, but also sex educators, and we work in the sex toy field, I opened a sex shop in 2008. Um, I was like 23 and I had I myself have experienced that with partners who are the beginning, like, ooh, exciting, kind of like the sex, the the sex educator girl sells dildos. This is so cool. And then eventually their ego gets blasted when we get really close. And there's just something that comes up where all of a sudden they're not as comfortable with it. And it's not all partners. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be, to be in a partnership now with someone that's like super supportive, actually was a, a podcast fan um initially. And um but I've experienced that too. We are, we are hard to date too. We, we're on air talking about our sexuality. And for some people, it can bring up their own insecurities, their own worthiness. And, but that's ultimately, I mean, we can work on that together. And I can get curious about like, what's scary about me talking about sex, whether it's our sex life or my own, or, just, or okay, you want to be private? Cool. I don't need to talk about our sex life, but I still need to be able to talk about me and to share that. And if that's too much for someone, then I would get really curious. Like, what about that uh, is threatening to you? Like, what do you do? You think that because I share more about my sexual self vocally, that like I'm gonna go out and fuck a whole bunch of people, or I'm more more like, or they're all gonna now all of a sudden be able to fuck me, or like I'm more likely to have an affair, or to, you know, it's it's like a lot of these things. I'm like, dude, I I can walk down the street in a turtleneck, people want to fuck me, so <laughs> I don't I, I don't have to talk about sex for people to want, and it doesn't mean I'm going to do anything about it. So I I find that interesting, and so I think there's different degrees, right? Like mine comes from uh, from more from like being a sex educator, but it's still here. And, and, and I think that if, or, and I, you could put a lot of what we do in under the umbrella term of sex work too, uh, maybe not with what April does, but at least for, for myself or what I've done in the past in my sex and relationship coaching. But I get that, that you're not, you're actually not hard to date. It's just that for other people, their stories and insecurities, it can be challenging for them uh, if they haven't done the work on it, or maybe they, they don't know. And that's probably really frustrating. You get into a relationship and be like, you know what I do. And then six months later, now it's a problem. Like you knew what you were signing up for. That was, that was already here. You um, always wonder why you don't quit though. Like, yeah. <laughs> you found love. Why are you still working? Like yeah. you still need to pay your bills. <laughs> yeah. Or I love this job. 
Like, I love it. I love this career. I love this path. And like you said, I, I had never heard the term, the differenti differentiation between more like a privileged sex work approach versus a um, survival sex work uh, perspective too. And I think that's really helpful and insightful. Um, what are some of the things you love about sex work or, that, or sex workers you know love about this career path? Well, I mean, obviously anyone that really loves their job, it's typically great money. <laughs> Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, the, it paid for two degrees, um, a nice apartment, you know, two boob jobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that was when I was in my early, you know, early twenties. So, um, it's definitely more money than most people make at the ages that we're in, in sex work. Um, so that's probably the hugest thing you're going to get. And then the freedom and flexibility to schedule is great. You know, we could take months off at a time, you know, when I've had family, um, family pass, I can take months off, um, you know, and, and do that self-help take, like take the time off for that, which is not the case in a lot of jobs. I don't have to ask, answer to anyone or ask permission. My job's still there when I come back, um, or I want to take vacation or on the flip side, if I want to work and bust my ass and work, you know, months straight, when I used to work in Fort Mac, girls would, come in from Quebec and they'd work, you know, six months straight and then take six months off. There's not many jobs where that allows you that kind of freedom. Um, we also are in a job where we can travel, maybe not right now, but before we could travel places and, and have a job when we got there. Um, that's a, an awesome freedom, especially at a younger age, um, being able to do that. And then things that people don't really think of, you meet a lot of amazing people in the industry. Um, this is the industry and all the jobs I've worked where I have met the most amazing, like strong-willed, intelligent, beautiful inside and out type of people um, that really have their shit together, which is, it's, that's why it's so hurtful when I see like the poster child of what people think sex work is, because it's so vastly different from the people I've met in the industry. I'm like, oh, you guys are truly missing out on amazing people because of how you've, um, how you've stigmatized them. Um, it's also really rewarding to be able to use your skills. You know, I, Remember, even I think for most self-identifying women at a very young age, you're getting sexualized by men to be of age and say, you know what, like, fuck that. I'm going to turn it on its head. I'm going to profit off the male gaze that was unwelcome before. I'm going to welcome it and profit off it um, is a nice little fuck you uh, to people, I think. And also the amount of skills it takes to be in the industry and be successful at it. There's not many jobs where you can utilize all those skills plus make the money return that we do. So the people skills, the money skills, the selling skills, um, the thick skin you develop, um, all those things. Um, unfortunately that it's a little hard to put on your resume, which is another, um, another <laughs> issue. Me and Riley talked about to length. Um, yeah, that's just, that's just my small list of reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, you got most of them, like it's definitely, it is good money when uh, you find your footing in it. It doesn't, it's not always good uh, money and it's definitely not always stable money, um, but it, it can be very lucrative. And for me, you know, as I said, I'm a full-time student studying. So it's, it's really nice to be able to, you know, have quit that part-time job that I was living paycheck to paycheck and start working when I want. And when I could take that time off around um, exams when I need it. Um, and just not have to stress about, um, can I pay my tuition? Can I uh, pay my rent if I take this, um, if I take this time up for, for exams? Can I afford a tutor? Like, I, I mean, I have a tutor and, you know, I understand that I can only afford a tutor because of the work that I do. Mm -hmm. um, and then also something that I really love about the, this job is, it, it really opens so many weird little doors and windows that you never thought that you'd be able to experience. And as you know, both me and Danica said, we have dabbled in some type of fetish work. Um, and it's, it's really great and fun to kind of be that person and to have people very vulnerable um, to you asking if you can kind of take their hand and lead you through uh, something and, and to kind of be a part of that, it's, it's, it's really cool. Definitely. There's definitely a very rewarding, not always. Then I think it's important to note, just like any other job, um, people always say, you know, is, is sex work empowering? And it is, but I think it's important to note, note, note. <laughs> I think it's important to note. <laughs> There's my newfie accent really coming in. Um, it's important to note that we don't make that demand of other jobs. You don't ask the trash collector. You don't ask the barista at Starbucks. Are you empowered? If you're not, you shouldn't be in this job. You're clearly trafficked. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but there are like Riley said, very empowering aspects of it. When you sit with a client and especially if you can, if 
to have someone want to pay for strictly your companionship and your conversation and that they walk away feeling that was money well spent and they they've taken something from that interaction that is a really rewarding thing to walk mm-hmm. away from and and especially on the level that Riley was talking about where we can help someone take their hand and guide them through um, exploring something sexually in a safe space and providing that for them that can be very very rewarding okay time for a quick break this podcast was made possible by Uberloop. It's a luxurious silicone lubricant that enhances sex and intimacy. We receive emails from listeners who have tried Uberloop, and the feedback is unanimous. We never knew lube could be this good. It's also less likely to throw off the pH than most other lubes, and there are thousands of doctors recommending Uberloop to their patients, whether they want to make their hot sex even hotter or for folks experiencing dryness. Uberlube is without a doubt my favorite lube. It has no flavor, no scent, and feels absolutely amazing on my body. And it isn't just for sex. I use it to tame my hair frizzies, to prevent chafing, and I even put some in my mouth before an oral sex session. Totally ups my blowjob game. Oh, and the bottle, it's beautiful. It looks like a cosmetic product. So I just leave it out on my nightstand totally shamelessly. To learn why we think it's the best lube on the planet, check out uberlube.com and use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off, plus free shipping. Again, that's uberlube.com and use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast was also made possible by Manscaped. Guess what, y'all? It's pride season, and if you're wanting your pubes pride parade ready, Manscaped has you covered. Manscaped uses new technology and advancements to take your grooming to the next level. And Manscaped has brand new shaving tools that drop right in time for pride season. So if you want to prep for pride with the shave to the skin, the Manscaped Ultra Smooth Package is a three-step kit to help you feel like your smoothest self. You start with the soothing, clearing, refreshing crop exfoliator that reduces ingrown hairs. Then put on the crop gel for your groovy groin area and finish it off with the crop shaver. It has three precision blades with extra wide lubricating strips, ensuring your pride and joy is in good hands. We've loved Manscaped for years now because they make tools that are the best in below the belt grooming. Seriously, they make the perfect package for your perfect package. And right now you can get 20% off plus free shipping with code SHAMELESS at manscaped.com. That's 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com just use code shameless it's time to prune your pubes for pride season with manscaped and now back to the show yeah i know a number of sex workers they're healers with what they're offering people and they absolutely love it and yes not every session is that way or every time they work with someone you know but a lot of them um that i that i know um here and also in los angeles they're um they're like i like I, I'm helping people with my line of work and I love it. And, and this is, this is what feels authentic to me and my expression of how I want to help people. And again, like you said, it's not always that way. And it's not all forms of sex work or all people in sex work are necessarily doing that. But I think throw that in the box of the reasons why um, people choose this profession, what they get out of it. And I like what you said also that we don't question the Starbucks person like, oh, you're not on your power. So you must, you, you need to quit this job right now. This isn't right or ethical. This is wrong. It's like, you know, there, there's, I think I, I truly believe that we all have one or multiple purposes on this planet that are kind of unique to us, whether it's in our genetics, whether it's in our, uh, you know, our ancestral karma, or it's from our upbringing, from what we learned or what we didn't learn, et cetera. And and that if we truly live our authentic expression of what that is, and for some people, it's multiple expressions of that, um, then there's, you know, that it would fulfill the world and all these professions that, that we have. And some jobs need to also just get done. But um, I think when you're talking about uh, sexual pleasure, it's it's something that that people have the ability to choose to, or I like what you also said about the, the in the fetish world too, again, it's you know, people have the ability to choose one to be, to be, to work in that as a sex worker, but also people have the right to choose, like the people paying for sex work should have that right too, to be able to choose, Hey, I want to heal my body in this way. I want to nurture or nourish. I want to feel alive right now. And we say, it's okay. Like you can go fucking jump out of a plane and feel alive from skydiving, but you can't go and pay a sex worker, go to a club and have this like ecstatic experience. Cause I know that's how it is for a lot of folks, but it's our judgment about like what aliveness is okay or what healing is actually healing and if the generals are off oh no it's not that 
Um, I know that you also teach, so you teach lap dance uh, workshops to people. You said that in the beginning, and which makes me think that a lot of sex workers probably have some really great tips. Maybe it's for sex or relationships or you're or being, feeling sexy or seductive or empowered uh, for non-sex worker folks. I'm curious if you have any tips that you'd like to share if they're like, oh, I want to learn some things to incorporate in my life. Yeah. So yeah, I do the, the dance workshops, the lap dance workshops, and it's definitely open to sex worker and non-sex worker. And I usually get a pretty good split, um, typically even more so non-sex workers, which is great because any chance I get to rub shoulders with a square, it's nice to be like, this is what an actual sex worker mostly looks like. You know, we're not, you know, you know, I don't, I don't do drugs. I don't really drink ever. So even that alone kind of is like, what? You're a sex worker and you don't have a drug problem? <laughs> like, you know, so it's nice to kind of show face with people that are not ever really experiencing people in the industry. And it's also extremely rewarding to watch people who might be more timid slowly come out of their shell throughout the workshop and start feeling their bodies and touching their breasts and grabbing their pussies. And I do like this one move where it's called the taint touch and they all like are awkward at first. And then all of a sudden they're like all up in their taints and it's like... <laughs> Honestly, we're clothed, but um, it's that's rewarding to watch them kind of come out of their shell. And I do exactly what you said. I start the class with 10 stripper tips. Um, most of them are more guided towards the actual dance itself, but I think some of them might be able to be taken away. So I'll, I'll go through them real quick with you. Uh, so the first one is confidence. Um, and it's, it's everything. Um, you know, even if you mess up, um, you know, we've, I've been walking in, seven to nine inch heels for seven years. And I'll still trip as I'm doing something, Fuck, make it hot. I like, I have a joke where if I trip in front of a client, I always say like, Oh my God, I'm already falling for you. <laughs> you know, and they love it. And I'm cute and cuddly and like, love me. Um, such an ode to like the different type of sex worker we are. Cause you said I tripped and I was like, did you do a worm? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. We have very different selling features between us. I'm <laughs> very different. Um, so yeah, being confident, anything that happens, play it off. Like you own it, you own your sexuality. Um, just being confident in itself is so sexy without you saying or doing anything. Um, and that's definitely a learned thing, right? Like most people aren't naturally confident. You have to practice and learn it. Uh, knowing your angles. Uh, that's a big thing for, even if you want to take into the bedroom when you're having sex, I know a lot of women, a huge reason why they can't come really into focus is they're worrying about how their body looks. And if you are so focused on that, it's nice to tell someone, Hey, don't even worry about your body looks. That's a big ask for a lot of people. So as a stepping stone, start like doing things in front of mirrors while you're masturbating, watch your body in the mirror, know how your body looks, love certain angles of it and know those angles that you love and how you look in them. Especially as a dancer, I grew up competitively dancing, knowing angles is a huge thing. Uh, thirdly, uh, use your assets. So everyone has one or probably much more things about them that are specifically like sexy on them. So, you know, own it, you know, I have very large breasts. So a lot of my movements are, you know, breasts forward or me touching my breasts. Um, if you like your ass, do a lot of like ass things, um, you know, et cetera, uh, touch yourself and touch them. Uh, you know, people, for some reason, again, our society, it's a weird thing for us to touch ourselves comfortably or touch other people. So when you're doing a lap dance, um, you know, touch the person, you know, touch the, even just their thighs or their arms or anything like that. Touch yourself, touch your lips, touch your neck, uh, things like that. Hair flips are, are queen, like always do hair flips and like they're everything. Um, choose any song you like. I, my songs specifically are always kind of slow and sensual. That's my style, but you can really dance to anything if you can find a rhythm. Um, if something's working, stick with it, know what moves work for you and your body and what you like. Um, you can drag out one move for an entire fucking song. If you wanted to, if you move slow enough, <laughs> um, own your mistakes, like I said, and then seduction starts before the dance or mm. before the sex happens. So there's foreplay in lap dance as well. So, and part of that is just how you walk towards your client or your partner. So really nailing your walks and knowing how to walk in, in heels in a sexy way. Um, you can really spot a new dancer very quickly by their heel walk. And sometimes it's a little painful. So learning how to really move your hips and uh, sink into your, into your heels and, and sway to the music as you walk is, is huge. 
I love what you said. Well, all those things, but also the kind of like own your awkward. And because I think just when it comes to sex in general, a lot of people think it needs to be perfect. I need to always look sexy. I can't, we can't be goofy or silly or ridiculous or awkward or playful. And then that get, get, they makes it so that they're stuck in their heads and they think, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not doing this right. What are they thinking? Do I look good enough? And instead, if you just own that part of yourself, it, it can make it, like you said, I love that. You're like, oh, I'm already falling for you. And then, and then Riley over here is doing the worms. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just about to add, add to what you said. It's like, take it from someone who is very awkward and goofy. You can still be like a successful sex worker. Oh, a hundred percent. I was literally going to say, I was like, if anyone knows, <laughs> to Riley. <laughs> Well, that's that confidence piece. And also like, uh, and we all have our, our unique offerings too. And so I think a lot of people get in their heads that we're, you know, we're supposed to look like the people we see in porn or by you, whomever, you know, we put ourselves in these boxes that were sex is supposed to look this one way or sexy is this one way. I know even with sexy, right? Like a lot of people have a different way of identifying with sexy and expressing sexy. It isn't just what you see in the movies. Um, you find that unique worry for you and embrace the awkward if it, if it feels clunky and uh, through enough practice, um, like you said, also walking into the heels and all that stuff, it makes things a lot easier. We get used to the things that we're trying to, try, trying to learn and adapt. Um, I love all of this information. There's so many wonderful points here. So you have an entire podcast. I'll, can you tell us about your podcast? Like I, you know, I know it's um, about sex work, but do you, who do you have on the show? What kind of things do you talk about? What can people expect? Yeah, so it started definitely as a, uh, a podcast for strictly sex work because I really want to give a voice to a community that doesn't get a voice very often. Even when you know our legality is happening and bills are coming out, they rarely ever let sex workers talk on things. So I really wanted a space, no matter how small it was, it's really taken off, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But I just want, even if one person listens to it and they learn something about sex work or learn something about sex workers, I've you know my my goal has been met. And um, I realized that there was a real, a real need and a real want to listen to sex workers' voices. And then as it progressed, I started to have more and more people coming forward saying, talking about sexuality more as a whole, you know, um, people that have been married just for 30 plus years saying, you know, I, my sex life is dead. I really want to start, you know, exploring elsewhere. I don't know how to have that conversation. Do you have advice? Or, you know, I want to start dressing up in the bedroom and I'm worried my partner's going to make fun of me. How do I have that conversation? Or um, a, another individual reached out and said, you know, I've been married for X amount of years and I've been um, dressing as a woman in my free time. I've never told her. I want to start exploring that more. So with all that, I realized, it, I guess I really do want it to be sex worker mainly, but I do want to start exploring sex work or sexuality as a whole and having a safe space for people to really talk about that. So we started to open it up to having um, you know, uh, transgender individuals coming on. We had um, polyamorous couple coming on and, and talking about how they've navigated that in their marriage. We've had um, a, a drag, uh, drag personas, drag queens coming on. Obviously, a lot of sex workers, cam models, um, prostitutes, sugar babies, all those as well. Um, sex educators, um, sex philosophers. Um, yeah, like I said, people in marriages exploring sexuality in different ways. And then Riley came on as a guest one time and people didn't hate her. So she <laughs> so she started coming on more and more. And now I can't get rid of her. <laughs> That's fine. So you, so you are you guest on that you go on the show uh, every episode, Riley, or you just you guess you just join on the occasion? Uh, season one, I joined on the occasion. Season mm-hmm. two, I was on every second episode. And season three, I managed to... Uh, more often than not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you two make so, a, a yeah. Is, is starting soon, so um, stay tuned. <laughs> Fun. We get to make a, a good team. So, if people want to listen to the podcast, also, I know you have various things like OnlyFans and things like that. How how can people find you, work with you, learn more about you, both of you? Yeah, the best way is just through Instagram. Um, the handles at fifty plus a tip, so at five zero plus a tip. Um, that's, that's the quickest way. And then there's a, a link in the, in the bio as well, that kind of directs you to all the other, all the other platforms. Cool. And it's a 50 plus a tip on the, uh, you're on iTunes and all those places too. Oh yeah. For the Spotify, podcast. Apple, yeah. all those, all that all good the stuff. Things. All the things. Yeah. What about you, Riley? Do you want people to find you or are we finding you through 50 plus a tip? You can just find me through 50 plus a tip. Okay. There's a 50% chance that she'll pass on the message. <laughs> 
And right. I 100% chance people are going to think I'm your pimp now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're a team. It sounds like a team wherever here. So I love that. April and I usually have that too. And it's always fun having, um, you know, another energy that complements what we, we, I'm sure you two work well together. You build each other up and you're all, both offering different things. Like you're embracing the, like, oh, I'm just falling for you and she's doing the worm. So it's perfect. It's great. I love that. That comments kind of reminds me a little bit of April and I, I who's the, I don't know. We're both awkward. Anyway, <laughs> <The worm. laughs> yeah. I think April would be the worm. I, uh, I'm pretty sure she would be the worm. <laughs> and I would be more like, oh, hey, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would be that crafty, though. That was a good one. I'm going to use that the next time I trip, though, or something similar along those lines. <laughs> I'll give you credit. Well, thank you so much for guesting on our show. I'm this is really insightful. Um, and and there's so much we could have spent hours talking about. I'm so curious, even the depths of the the legal stuff that you're, you're doing. And I love that you're giving a voice to a huge, um, huge profession and an important one. And um, and thank you, Riley, for joining us too. And I love love both of your energies together. So for all of our listeners, go to Instagram and go find 50, that's five zero plus a tip. And then you can find all the links to their offerings. And a lot of the offerings are, you know, podcasts are free. So you can listen to information and um, let's see what else. If April was here, she would say, oh, go review us on iTunes. If you haven't done so, it really helps us get the message out there. We have listeners that are global and a lot of people live in places where they don't have access to sex education. So by having a free podcast such as this, we can get it to the masses and um, get sex education all around the world to uh, all communities. So just all you do, go to iTunes. Uh, if you are subscribed to us, you have to look at the review part, but actually just find the review part, write a review. We love five stars. And uh, let's see, we normally air our episodes every Tuesday. So April would say, see you next Tuesday. And ciao for now. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.